Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we have a returning guest, Curtis Mann, a master of wine that was previously on our show in episode 84, where we discussed the selection and differentiation of the wine in grocery stores. And Curtis is the group vice president of alcohol at Albertson's Companies. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Robert and Peter. Glad to be back. And so today we're going to be uh, talking about understanding the strategy behind Albertson's new Vine and Cellar online wine store. So for the listeners who missed episode 84, can you please give me and Peter a brief overview of your background? I'm the in charge of uh, alcohol merchandising for Albertson Safeway. So we're a large retailer that spans 35 different states. We have about 1,900 stores that can sell wine. And, you know, we kind of span the wine world. We sell a lot of value wines, as you would expect. Our customers, we drive a lot of business through big commercial brands. But we also have some very specialty stores like our pavilions in Southern California or Hagen's in the Seattle, Washington state area, where we sell a lot of fine wine. And so we kind of, it's a fun position in that sense is that I get to work through all sorts of different aspects of the world of wine. And also the thing is, is that our division's, differ pretty dramatically from East Coast to the West Coast. So on the West Coast, we sell more domestic California wines, or like in Washington State, we sell more Washington wines, right? And on the East Coast, we sell more imported wines. So it gives a really good overview of the landscape in grocery retail, off-premise retail in the United States, which is what makes the job so fun. So what about just for those, that's a great overview of Albertsons, but for those who missed episode 84, what about just your background? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So before I started at Albertsons, I was working for the Rayleigh supermarket chain. I was the beer, wine and spirits buyer there. And I also was in charge of non-alcoholic beverage. So I got to buy other things like soda and coffee and tea and all that fun stuff like that, which was very interesting to see. A lot of similarities, obviously, between coffee and tea and wine. And then before that, I worked for Circana, or IRI at the time is now Circana, which is a database company that takes scan data from the store and process it through. And then uh, they do all sorts of other types of analyses. And we use a lot of that data for category management purposes. So, and then before that, I worked on premise. So I worked in a retail shop and a wine shop and we had also a restaurant. And so I managed all those. So I kind of had a, a combination of all these different pieces of the industry through that whole process. I took the WSET diploma, passed that, and then started the master wine program and in 2012, and then in 2020 became a master of wine after a lengthy uh, process, but finally got there. (laughs) And so you recently announced the launch of Vine & Cellar. What exactly is Vine & Cellar? So it's an online retail shop, and it's what we do is we have the option for our customers to buy wines online from our individual stores. So you can go onto the website and buy something from Safeway.com or Vons.com. And that's the inventory that's in a store. And that's usually either click on the button and you can come pick it up in the store or you could have it delivered via Uber to your house. Now, that's the what we call the first party website. Find and Seller is an extension on top of that. So it actually sits a little bit separate from the rest of the business. And what we do with Find and Seller is we offer up some of the same wines, but we offer up another dramatic selection of cool and eclectic wines that we UPS ship to your house. So that gives our customers the option to either, if they want something really quick, they could select something on the first party website and go pick it up in the store that day or maybe the next day if they schedule a pickup. 
or delivery or whatever, or they can wait a couple of days to get it shipped to their home. But that makes it so we have the option, we have a warehouse where we can carry a really cool eclectic selection that maybe we couldn't carry in all of our stores due to space constraints or locations, things of that side, getting highly allocated products, which is often a challenge inside of a grocery store. I mean, we have some stores, the Pavilions does a great job with it, and some of our Safeways in Northern California, but sometimes those stores aren't set up to receive that. So this is the next step in the evolution of fine wine retail for us, because we get that selection to everybody. Is there also an option to have wine sent to pick up at a, if I don't want it sent to my house, if I want to have it sent to the store to pick it up there? If, for example, it's not, is that an option there? So that would be an option. We're thinking about the option in the future right now. We're just figuring out how to ship things to people's doors, which we've been very successful at. So that's worked out. So yes, so future iterations kind of flow within that. And also right now, it's only within the state of California. California has a lot of flexibility in shipping laws and and things of that sort. And so because the warehouse is set up in California, we can ship into the state. So that's one of the things that we're doing right now is to say, hey, we're focusing on just getting this up and running to customers in the state. And then from there, we'll think of other things, like you said, ship to store, different states, all the other fun stuff that we could explore. And so the main difference between Vine and Cellar and buying directly at a Safeway Albertsons is going to be the selection that you mentioned or in the shipping. Are those the two big items or is there something else? Yes, the selection and the shipping. So there is a little bit of overlap between the assortment, but we carry about 2,300 items in Vine and Cellar and most of our stores average carrying between 800 and 1,000. I mean, our best stores might carry 1,500 items, but there's about 1,000 to 1,500 items, depending on how it all flows across, whether you're shopping in a Safeway or, or a Vons in Southern California, that are unique to Vine and Cellar. And so there's a big, unique group of items. I would say, classically, things like super seconds of Bordeaux, for example. It's really hard for us to carry those in stores unless we have a lot of space in a Borgen. We have wines like that. We have allocated... Pinot Noir from California that we don't necessarily have other places. We have a bunch of... The other thing that we've actually put in is like Sancerre that has helped us because especially with like the shortages coming, we can flex in and out of those items versus a store where we have to set the shelf in the store and there's a schematic. It's a lot harder if we run out of stock of that. So if you think about it, it's like you could buy your core commercial items inside of a Safeway and then if you really want to get eclectic and interesting. Not that we don't carry eclectic and interesting things in Safeway, but let's just say you want to take it to the next level, you go to find and seller. And so one other follow-up. So if I'm buying the eclectic things are coming from a warehouse, but if I'm buying things that are at the regular Safeway Albertsons, is that coming from a warehouse as well? Or is that coming from that store specifically to me? Uh, We combine the orders together. So if you were to buy a bottle of Bogle and a bottle of Chateau Margaux, they would come from our warehouse. It's just easier for us to ship them all together if you wanted to UPS ship them. Instead of like combine two or three different orders together, they get them to you. So they kind of sit within their own unique, I guess, environment. So the door delivery is definitely distinctly different than the find and seller UPS delivery. And so how do you decide what to carry that's unique to find and seller versus how you might decide what to put in a store? So we looked across the industry and we saw where the trends were going and what people were thinking about ordering. And we also noticed that online there is a kind of interest in more imported wines. So we definitely, while we're still selling a lot of domestic wines, we focus the attention a little bit more on an imported selection. So instead of being like an 80-20, like we might be inside of a store typically on a West Coast, we're a little bit more like 40-60. 
So 40% imports, 60% domestic. And then we have taken the opportunity to carry a lot of small producers that maybe struggle sometimes to deliver to 15 different Safeways because maybe their item isn't big enough to go into our warehouse. So we have a DSD delivery. Well, sometimes that's challenging. I'm sure there's a lot of folks that struggle with like, okay, well, how do I get these wines delivered to a grocery store and make sure that they're constantly on the shelf and getting reordered? For us at Vine and Cellar, it's like, okay, we have perpetual inventory. We know whether you're there or not. We know how to reorder. It's all just contained in one location. So it's given us a lot of flexibility to carry some really cool eclectic small producers from small distributors that we might have typically wouldn't work out so well at Safeway or Pavilions. Not that we don't carry some of those cool wines there. It's just that it's easier for us. And it's allowed us to give more of a breath. So when you think of, let's say, we do have a decent selection of Gross Box, like false Riesling or whatever, that would be really hard for us to carry in the store. But we can get a hold of that and create a breath of that. We have Burgundy, a lot of it, which we've partnered with Kermit Lynch on. We can carry four or five cases of each one of those and spread out our selection because it's just easy. It's just ship it to the warehouse instead of having to like manage it at a bunch of different stores. So for the wines that are both in store and on Vine and Cellar, is the pricing exactly the same or are the promotions the same? Like I think in the store you get discounts for like six or more and things like that. Finance Cellar sits its own atmosphere essentially. So it's its own piece of the business. And so it operates completely separately from those. And because we don't tend to sell a lot of the commercial wines, we don't, the pricing is the pricing. So it's its own model essentially. And so in terms of the unique selling proposition of Vine and Cellar, how would you compare it versus the other kind of like online retailers that are in this space? Because you're, what is the benefit for the consumer? Well, the first thing is that we're curating a lot of the items on the website, which I'm sure our competitors do the same thing, but we're sorting through the items that we think are the best examples of what they are from each region and what are the wines that truly are like the essence of what you would expect to be. Like if I'm going to buy a Volnay, I want it to taste like Volnay. If I'm going to buy a Central Coast uh, Chardonnay or from a specific area, that's what we're really kind of focusing on is is carrying that key curated assortment that is, so we don't have like 10,000 items, but we have a key subset of those. And then giving our customers, because we know a lot of them buy fine wine, but another avenue to add on to their order. So they can buy their groceries and then check out for the groceries. And then they can also check out for find and seller, which then allows them to get, obviously it comes a couple of days later, but it's a convenient kind of system all that works together. So that's really kind of the, I see the difference there. The other thing it allows us to do is it allows us to tell the story that of a lot of the great wines that we have in the store. So we have, you know, like I said, Pavilions has a great selection. Some of our Safeways in Northern California have great selection. But if somebody wanted a maybe a second wine of a class growth, like we might carry the class growth, but we then have the second wine available on Vine and Cellar. So it allows us to kind of combine efforts, right? So you can buy your wine here. And then if you really like this wine, but you maybe want a little bit more of a value, we have the same wine on Vine and Cellar. Well, we have a, a second wine, should I say, on Vine and Cellar that we can carry for you. So it kind of expands that assortment. Because we know that's definitely the challenge is that the world of wine is getting more eclectic. I mean, people are trading up and they're looking for more and more diversity of selection. And so how do we do that as a grocery store to keep the customer engaged so they don't just trade up and trade out? And that's really what this is offering as our customers think about like, okay, well, I'm really getting into wine, but I want a good selection of Loire. I'm hearing about Cab Franc and I want Chinon 
okay, that's where we can come in and say, hey, you don't have to leave our environment. It's here. We have it. Just to clarify, because I think you mentioned this, but I just want to double check. So you go to the Safeway or Albertsons website and you might be buying groceries. And when you're looking at wine, you can also, it's the same website that you're buying through Vine and Cellar. And then you check out both at the same time. Yeah. So you can check out on the website, like you can check out your groceries or whatever. And then you go into what's called like a walled garden and you can click on into Vine and Cellar. So you could theoretically like, okay, that's a separate order, and then the grocery order, and then you hit the checkout button and check out with both of them at the same time. And one is either you pick up in store, and the other one gets shipped to your home, that type of stuff. And you sort of mentioned this a little bit, but why did Albertsons decide to launch Vine and Cellar in the first place? Well, I think it's exactly that challenge that we have where a lot of our guests are really interested in wine, and they start on their wine journey, and they start with us, and we have a great selection, our prices are really good. And then they might want to necessarily trade up to more and more interesting things. And there are so many options online now to do that, right? So maybe they don't stay in the store any longer or they want to learn about different regions. And so we need to make sure that we're offering that up to our customers and not just letting them leave the environment. So that's really what for us it does. And then it allows us to tell the story better so that we can discuss things like all the cool different regions of Paso. Because what happens right now sometimes is we discuss that in store that those Paso items might not be available in all stores, right? But now, online, it's available to every single one of our customers. So we can tell the story of the different vineyard sites within a specific region because we have four different examples of it, or we can talk about a brand that we maybe necessarily couldn't talk about in the past because we have a breadth of that selection. And I think about this like definitely within some of the French appellations or Italian appellations where in a store we might only be able to carry one uh, Pavard, one Volnay, and we probably don't even have a bone, and we don't have a, anything from the Cote Nui. Well, now, actually, if you go on our online website, you can get all of those things. They're all available. It just really builds the availability to the customer base and hopefully gets them more and more excited about wine. Was part of this seeing that a lot of people, when they start shopping online, which I think more people have been shopping online for groceries, would buy more wine or there's a higher percentage of people buying wine online versus in store? Or did that online buying have an impact on launching Vine and Cellar? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic really changed kind of the whole business model, right? Is that we sold more and more of our, we're selling more and more of wine from like delivery from the store online and people were driving up and we call it drive up and go and picking it up online. And for us, that business has continued it came down a little bit after the pandemic, but it's started to ramp back up again. And we really need to be in this business to continue selling wine because we can see that it's still growing. Like, And there's a lot of new entrants and people telling some pretty good stories online. And so if we're not on it, we're going to get left behind. So we need to make sure that we have that opportunity to be there, to be a part of the guest experience. Otherwise, I think we'll have a, I don't want to say we're going to go the way the razors went, People always want to come in the store and buy produce and buy wine at the same time. But there is a subset of customers that are moving online and they're not coming back. And so we have to be there for that customer base. Well, something I probably should have asked earlier, but does Vine and Cellar include only wine or does it also include like beer and spirits? For now, it's just wine because wine is easier to ship. But there is the view out in the future that we would think of other items that we have in the store, plus possibly other things. So, so I mean, other spirits, beer and maybe other things that we could direct ship to customers. 
That's a good segue to my question. I know that's still early days for Vine and Seller, but I'm curious on where you see it going kind of more long-term over the next couple of years. Like, where do you see Vine and Seller expanding or doing differently, or where would you like it to get to? I think we're going to keep looking at how do we use Vine and Seller to expand our assortment across different locations. So we start with California. It's the easiest state to ship in. It's the easiest state for us to get direct imports into it's the easiest state to work with distributors in or directly with wineries. And then I think we're going to expand to some of our other key wine states as we go into the future, whether that be Washington, Illinois. There's obviously some challenges. We will follow the rules uh, because we're a big player and we have to follow the rules. So that will require a different warehouse setup according to where we are and, and things of that sort. So there's going to be some investment required. But I kind of see that as becoming a network for us as we get further along into this process. And again, continuing to build that assortment. Every one of our divisions has worked on really expanding their top-end store assortment, diversifying the imports, and thinking about more eclectic California. And I see this as a way to help them kind of further their exploration of those categories and then offer up an enhanced selection online to build upon their store selection. And then also allow them to tell the story better of what there is out there We do wine dinners, we do tasting events in store, and this gives us kind of ultimate flexibility is that, well, we don't necessarily have it here, but we can ship it to your home. And so that's where I see a lot of this coming in, whether it be that or wine clubs or all the different things that we can do that maybe have been a little bit more challenging at brick and mortar, that you have the more flexibility on the online retail side. And so how do you see the market for vine and cellar versus the traditional wine sales that you're going to get in store? Do you predict that there's going to be cannibalization of in-store wine sales because of vine and cellar? As we think through that, the goal is to not cannibalize. That's why the systems are pretty separate. You can still order checkout at the same time if you want, but you have to go to a different location to buy vine and cellar. But we see like customer bases, as I mentioned, it's more imported focus, more small wineries. And to me, it's more of a build. Honestly, well, anytime we have any type of online retail, it does cannibalize a little bit from our business. But I think this, as we're seeing, it's not a large cannibalization. It's an add-on. It's an incrementality uh, purchase. A lot of the things that we're selling, we didn't carry in the store before. And so I'm guessing that, well, maybe that person's replacing that buy with something else. But some of the things we're seeing that are being sold would suggest that that person probably was never shopping for us to begin with. And so there will be a a small bit of cannibalization, but the real intention is to build upon our current customer base and grab new new customers. You're still going to get that impulse purchase of, I'm, I want this with my dinner tonight kind of thing in the in-store. And there's going to be more kind of like focus. I'm seeking out something from the online section. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The motivations are different. Okay. There's been some wine companies done some pretty good research around exploratory customers versus routine customers. And so we want to meet the need of the routine customer and help them with the everyday shop. But yeah, the exploratory customer, we can really give them an option that maybe they didn't have in the past with us, or they only had at a small subset of stores. Now they have it across the whole state. So that's exactly it. And same thing that we see where people are planning out orders online more than they plan them out in the store. You go in the store and maybe you have an idea what you want to buy, but it might be a little bit more impulse. And definitely we can see people like thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to buy this and then What's that going to be used for? You know, maybe it's a party, maybe it's a Christmas dinner or whatnot. You can see that activity happening more online. 
So as you look towards the future, do you have a target of how much could be online versus in store in terms of that breakdown? And like, a, if you were to do like a percentage, like, hey, if this is a hell, if buy and sellers doing what we expect it to do, we think it should be this percentage of the Albertsons Group wine sales. Yeah, I mean, as a public company, that one's always a tough one to answer. We kind of keep in a lot of that internal. I would say, though, that our goal is to make it a big portion of our sales. I don't know what the big portion is, but a portion that's relevant enough to us and will be on our way after we have some momentum going now and just keep that momentum going. I'd say that a lot of the public data out there shows that the DTC market is quite large and it's getting larger by the minute. And so can we take a portion of that DTC market? I think that's important. Because I feel like we have the right to win. We're Safeway, we're Vons, we're Pavilions, we're Albertsons. And we've always been known for wine sales. And so we should have a portion of that market as we go out there and grab it. Related to that, who do you see as the vine and seller customer? Are they just existing Albertsons customers or different people? Combination of both. So some customers are existing and they're kind of extending their order and adding to it. And then we're also signing up new customers, which is great. So people that haven't maybe necessarily bought wine from Safeway or haven't at least signed up for a card or a club card or whatnot. And so it's right now probably a little bit more Safeway customers because that's who we're talking to. But we've seen a lot of recent signups as you know, people are starting to realize that, oh, we have a nice selection of wines at really good prices. And so I think we're seeing that. We're also seeing that the average bottle price sold on Vine and Seller is significantly higher than in-store. Even in our highest-end stores, we're a good like $10 over what they're selling in our highest-end stores. So that's telling us that, hey, we're collecting a different customer base or at least a different shopping occasion as people are really shopping more premium within our stores, within, within the Vine and Seller. Obviously, it doesn't make sense economically to ship a bunch of maybe value wines to everyone's house. So that might be part of it. But seeing of what we've been able to sell, sold some Maas Deutsch, really high-end carry-on, you know, things like that sort that we don't even carry in the store. And that customer is definitely, whether if they were a Safeway customer or a Von Spillings customer, they've been, I don't think they've been buying any of those wines from us at least in the past, and now they're buying them from us. So that's pretty exciting because to collect that customer, to get them to realize that, hey, look, there's some great wines in grocery in the United States is an exciting job, and it makes my life fun too, right? I mean, I really do and sell, love selling wines across the whole spectrum, um, and it's nice to see us have a little bit more influence on the premium side of the business. And do you think there are specific subsets of Albertsons customers that are more prone to buy a vine and seller versus in-store? We're a little early in the process, so like I don't have a tremendous amount of detail as to like, okay, which individual customers are doing what. But well, definitely if we go back to that exploratory customer, there's subsets of that exploratory customer. There's people that are really interested in buying that want to buy very eclectic wines, explore across the categories. There's people that want to buy the iconic wines. And we seem to have kind of, we're reaching like a, almost like a half and a half in those groups. Like we have a lot of people buying iconic wines. Silver Oak is a very good seller for us or things of that sort. But we're also, as I mentioned, that Maas Deutsch is another good example. We're selling a lot of Burgundy. So we have this kind of exploratory and like more of that Burgundy between 50 and 70 and 80 and $100, not the like $300 Burgundy. So you can see it's like a combination of those two types of customer bases driving a lot of business. And then we do still like have, uh, which is still great for us as a routine customer base that's buying some other more mainstream wines. Most of them, not the like really inexpensive ones because we don't carry them, but we do have a group of customers that are buying things like decoy or whatever because it's nice, it's convenient. You can maybe if you can't make it to the store and your area is a little too far out to be for delivery, you can hit the button and then ship it to your home. So 
kind of a combination of all those things. So I am curious on how you expect people to find out about uh, Vine and Seller. So if I'm an in-store customer, or is there going to be messaging inside the store if I'm walking around as a customer? So we have QR codes inside the store. So we have hanging what they call aisle blades, and you can find it that way. Obviously, you can go to www.vineseller.com. That gets you there. We have some advertising on our website. So if you search for a wine within the Safeway or Vaughn's Pavilion's first parties, so that delivery or drive up and go, and it doesn't exist there. So let's say you type in, let's say, a Chablis or something like a, I was thinking of the Roland Lavantour Chablis. You type that in because you like that wine and it's not available on Safeway, it will pop up and say, this is available on Vine and Cellar, shipped to your home. So that's another way that people find us is that there's the offering, hey, we don't have it because you're looking for it. One of the most common search terms right now is Sancerre. If we don't have Sancerre in that one store, then boom, it shows you the three offerings of Sancerre that we have in Vines. Or, well, we have more than that, but let's just say it shows the first three, I think. So that's a way to find it. And then we're doing a lot of events, PR, things of that sort. We're doing tastings. Within our Napa Safeway, we have a feature of Vine and Cellar Wines inside of our temperature control case. Folks that are live in Napa can you know take a look there, click on the QR code. You can buy some of those wines now in store, which is almost kind of interesting the way we've done that. But we are kind of like a combination of a bunch of different things, right? Just trying to give people the option to, to find us, which is, you know, obviously the most challenging thing with online retail. It's like it's much easier to get customers in the door of a brick and mortar store online. It's like there's a lot of noise and, and things of that sort. So in terms of customers who aren't directly searching on the Albertsons or Safeway websites, how are you, and they're not existing Albertsons customers, how are you get, acquiring them for Vine and Seller? Are you using Google Ads or Wine Searcher for when they're searching other things? So there's some paid search, there's some Wine Searcher, there's other partnerships we're exploring that we haven't really talked about yet, but uh, we can't really talk about them yet because we haven't completely signed off on them, but those are other things that we're looking to do. So it's a combination of all those things, whether it be the in-store you know, we do have a lot of customers in our stores that don't necessarily buy alcohol from us, that buy wine. So how do, we're converting some of those customers too. And then, yeah, out there, you know, other places, whether it be the wine searcher has been good for us. And then there has been some TV PR that I've gone on to talk about Vine and Cellar, things of that sort to kind of get the word out about it as we let them know that we have an expanded selection, so we're trying to every which interesting way to, to do that. And some of them have been more successful than others. And in terms of Safeway's Famous for their loyalty programs, is there a connection between a loyalty program between grocery and vine and seller that you're hoping to fuse those, those different consumer behaviors together? There's always that future opportunity. What we do right now is if you're a customer of Safeway or Vons and Pavilions or Albertsons in California, we know that you are a loyal wine customer to us, so there are some definitely advantages to be buying wine from us because you're going to get coupons for in-store, but you also get promo codes for Vine and Seller pretty consistently. So yeah, so there's other opportunities in the future possibly for our extended loyalty, things of that sort, but we haven't gotten there just yet because we're just getting this off the ground and we're building the business. But there's definitely opportunities for that as we think about what the next step is six to 12 months from now. So how do you see online wine retail fitting into the wine retail landscape in general? So, I mean, again, it's the advantage to online is that you can create a dramatic selection 
without a tremendous amount of inventory cost. You can organize things. You can, one of the things that we've been able to do is put a bunch of details online that we can never get in store, right? I mean, I've got all these great descriptors online. We've got scores. We've got, you know, all those pieces that we can't, like within a price tag or a thousand bottles on a shelf, it's just like a tiny little tag versus online. We can really tell the story. So I think there's definitely the advantages of that. And I think it fits in as as an educational platform. It's opportunity to expand selection and it's out there for the customers to really explore. I think obviously store will always still have a place. Uh, Wine is hard to ship. There are a lot of restrictions in other states that make it challenging, but it, it adds an extension for us. And what I'm really excited about is that we've been able to take a lot of the learnings that we've learned from find and seller and then expand it out to the, you know, to the, our like safeway.com website and build the education piece there. And so I think they work together because, you know, right now, if a customer comes in the store, they can get a lot more information than they could get, say, 12 months ago. And so the, the two of those, I think that those pieces work together. They don't always work perfectly together, but in general, I think we're getting better and better at combining the two. And pretty exciting for me, at least. A lot of times I've got to make, if I'm thinking about what's going on at the store level, I've got to make tough decisions between, I can only carry these, I might taste 10 wines and I can only carry one because I only have the space and I have to pick the absolutely optimal item. And so this assortment is really strict, but I might've liked three of those wines. And so now I have the flexibility to carry three of the 10 wines instead of just one. And so I think that's the thing that makes it really exciting. And so what do you think are the key differences in terms of buying patterns between someone who's buying wine online versus in your grocery store? So far, right now, what we see is just more breadth of items. Like people inside the store tend to buy a little bit more, hey, I'm buying three of this item and three of this item and getting my six-bottle discount. Online, it seems like what's happening is that people are buying across regions and items that we don't, we sell, we'll say cases of here, things here and there, but we're selling a lot more diverse items. Like somebody's buying the three Chinons that we have on feature or the you know, uh, or um, buying across a bunch of different burgundies or buying four different of the same wine, but maybe different vineyard sites within that same wine. And so it's not as much of like all the volume moves out through the same items, which I shouldn't say it doesn't happen in every store, but stores will move a lot more cases of certain items and they bulk up on them and they actually have to put out three case displays or 10 case displays, otherwise they'll run out of an item. But we're seeing a much broader swath of sales along a lot wider group of items, so, which is exciting, which means that at least something we're doing is, at least when, as we're promoting the exploratory, we're getting people to explore different things, which is, I think, is one of the things that makes wine so unique. And so hopefully we're activating that customer that way. I mean, if you think about like within other categories where people are so brand loyal, it's like, okay, we'll buy the same thing over and over again. And wine, it's like, oh no, I want to try a million different things. And, and we're seeing that happen even more. I mean, we do have that happen in store. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in store, but it's happening even more dramatically on find and seller. And if you were to boil down, you mentioned earlier, the basket prices of online was higher even than some of your premium stores on average for wine. Correct. Yeah. So it's like in the mid twenties or so instead of our stores, which we have some stores that are upwards, get pretty high, but not all the way to the to the numbers that we're at in Find and Seller. And in terms of volume, I know you guys have, that, especially at Safeway, that buy six and you get that discount. But in terms of volume of number of bottles purchased, do you see any big difference between online and in-store? Well, as I said, people are buying across different items. And if you think about the economics of a shipping fee, then so generally they buy in bulk. They're not shipping. I mean, we do have people sometimes if it's an expensive, nice bottle of wine, 
ship one or two bottles, but more, it's more, hey, where I'm buying in a six pack or a 12 pack. And we do have, like I said, a lot of that as a store too, but it's even more dramatic in find and seller. So stepping back a little from a macro perspective, from your vantage point, what trends do you see in the wine market these days? A little bit back to what was happening in 2019, right? <laughs> a lot of folks during the pandemic were sitting around, didn't have anything to do and bought a lot of fine wine. And so now we're seeing a little bit of a return to normal. We're still doing well as a chain, but some of those really high-end wines that we're selling, are, we're selling less of those, except we've been selling some of them fine and sellers, so that's exciting. But in general, we're seeing a little bit of a return to that 2019. And right now, what I think it's truly about is people are starting to really figure out where is the value. They're having to make maybe a little bit more decisions are a little bit tougher now. And so what's the price of value? So they're not People are still buying nice wine. They're still drinking nice wine. But instead of just going for whatever is the most expensive, I think they're really doing a lot more research. And we can see it. So again, like we continue to do well with a lot of these players that are in that, like I call it affordable luxury space. And that burgundy part is a good one, like, right? I mean, we're selling a lot of burgundy that's, we're not out there selling a ton of really, really high-end burgundy. What we're selling is, can I find a good Fison? Can I find a, a halfway decent Pernod Vergelais or whatever? Like these wines that kind of sit in that, hey, uh, I'd love to buy Corton. I mean, we'd all love to buy Corton, but <laughs> Corton's unaffordable now almost. And so that's where I think that market is going in a lot of cases. And we're seeing it across, that's happening in spirits too, where people are starting to make, come on, trade down off of the really, really long age spirits and more towards, hey, maybe I can think of, I can find something that's really great price at $40, $50. To me, that's personally exciting because I think, yeah, I mean, I love selling high-end stuff, but that's my sweet spot. That's what I really enjoy is, that's what I drink is like the stuff that's, you know, 30 to, well, sometimes less than that, like 20 to 40 maybe. And I spend a lot of time researching what I'm going to drink, right? I mean, luckily I have the ability to taste a lot of wine, so I kind of know what's happening. But, but yeah, that's what really gets me excited. So that's a perfect segue into uh, our wrap-up question. We, As you know, we like end each show on a personal note with our guest. And we are curious on what is your most coveted wine bottle in your cellar? And when do you plan on opening it? I have some of the Chapoutier Lemille White. I don't know what to do with it. Like whether I should open that anytime soon or should I just hold on to it for like, I don't know, <laughs> for 25 years? So I'm kind of like, I don't know, that's a tough decision as to when to open that. So that's probably the nicest bottle I have. And the one that like, I'm really excited about one day drinking it. But again, it's like, when do you open those things? Like, never? <laughs> well, they, they change so much too, right? So I only have one bottle, unfortunately. If I had two or three, maybe I could uh, try them out. But they're, they're also hard to get a hold of. So... <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing. And uh, thank you for sharing so much information about Vine and Cellar. And it uh, sounds like a really interesting segment of grocery taking it online and, and really seeing where this goes over the next couple of years. And maybe we can do a follow-up when you get some more data on how it's going. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Thanks, uh, Robert and Peter. I really appreciate being on. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, Shame. cheers.